0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This is the first sermon I'm giving where I only have one professional responsibility. It's also my last sermon at All Saints, at least for a while. I have been a member of the Indiana State Teachers Association for a couple of decades. I even served as the president of my local for many years. During that time, I learned about the importance of unity. If you want to get anything big changed, you need a lot of people, and they need to be united around the cause. I'm learning that what is true in public education is also true in the church. Now, in spite of the fact that I have some pretty serious theological, social, and political differences of opinion with many of the Christians I know, present company excluded, (laughs) I still feel called to work toward unity in the Church so that God can use us to make the Kingdom of God a reality. Even though there are many issues and events that divide us Christians into groups and subgroups, I still have hope that we can become more unified. And the gospel we just heard today, in part, is what gives me that hope. We just heard Jesus praying for, to his Father, asking him to unite his followers with him and with each other. To me, it's very moving that Jesus is praying for us. Did you catch it? Jesus says, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. There we are, right there. We are the ones who have believed in Jesus through the words of his first disciples. As I read and reread the gospel this week, I began to consider what this unity Jesus is praying for might look like practically After all, we can be united in ways that are seemingly less spiritual than what we might imagine Jesus is talking about. For example, we are all drawn together by common experience. In a strange way, living through this pandemic has created a sort of unity, even while it kept us physically apart. We can relate to each other's losses, and lingering feelings of isolation. And of course, this last week, we have been united in grief, as well as shock and disillusionment as we process the murder of innocent children and the adults who taught them and tried to protect them. As you can imagine, that hit home for me because this week I concluded my public teaching career. And while I thank God for the great many blessings I experienced during those years, I also mourn the fact that my time as a high school Spanish teacher was bookended by Columbine and Uvalde. This week, I have cried tears of gratitude and joy and also of loss and fear. Some of you have done the same, some of you have been angry. Well, everybody grieves different, in the words of modern theologian Kendrick Lamar. While loss and pain certainly bring us together, we must also remember that we are brought together by positive experiences. Those of us here at All Saints are united with one another in the joy of this community. What a joy it has been for me. We connect through our faith through our manner of worship, our care for one another, and our concern for social justice. We are drawn toward one another through our affinity for these things. We are part of a continuum of faith. And I'm grateful that the Episcopal Church, the tradition that we share, the liturgy that we experience, reminds us of that fact if we just pay attention. And this, friends, is where we begin to more fully feel the effects of Jesus' prayer that we might be made one as he and the Father are one. Every time we pray, glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever, we acknowledge several things. First of all, the eternal nature of God. Also, the faithful who have come before us, our own moment in time, and those who will come after us in the faith. This sense of continuity can also give us a sense of unity now. One of the first post-communion prayers that I encountered in the Episcopal Church brought this home for me. I fell in love with the words that we pray for a good portion of the season after Pentecost at St. Peter's, Lebanon, my sending parish. It goes like this. God of abundance, you have fed us with the bread of life and cup of salvation. You have united us with Christ and one another, and you have made us one with all your people in heaven and on earth. Now send us forth... In the power of your spirit that we may proclaim your redeeming love to the world and continue forever in the risen life of christ our savior amen as a newly minted episcopalian that prayer had a great effect on me after a few months of praying those words after having just received the body and blood of jesus and as a result having been drawn closer to christ I bought my first copy of the prayer book, and I was dismayed to learn that that prayer was not in there. (laughs) That is the day that I learned about enriching our worship and other additional liturgical resources that are approved for our use, something that came in handy many years later as I took the GOEs. But the beauty of this prayer is that it highlights one of the principal means that or is used for Jesus' prayer to be fulfilled. The Holy Eucharist. Jesus prayed, As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Through the miracle and the mystery of the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist, we receive, and I'm quoting the prayer book here, the forgiveness of our sins the strengthening of our union with Christ and one another, and the foretaste of the heavenly banquet, which is our nourishment in eternal life." So you see, Jesus didn't just pray that we might be made one and leave it at that. He took action. He gave us the Eucharist to feed us, to push us along in the process of making all things new, so that we might be more like him, and to help us learn to be one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Jesus didn't just give us the Eucharist so that we might receive it and then sit with it. As we are transformed just a little bit each time Jesus is made known to us in the breaking of the bread, we are also sent forth in the power of the Spirit that we might proclaim Christ's redeeming love to the world. Have you figured it out yet? We are unified in our mission to share the gospel, the good news that there is abundant life, freedom, and peace in Jesus Christ with the whole world. And even if we have some personal differences that might try to divide us, we can work along, alongside each other as we help those in need. The importance that we give to our varied points of view is bound to fade as we dedicate ourselves to doing the work that God has given us to do. And this week, it seems that that work includes some very practical steps. In the same way that Jesus both prayed and took action, we must also take action. In this sacred space, we have prayed for the victims of the shooting at Robb Elementary School. We have prayed for their repose and for the repose of their murderer. We ask God to have mercy on them as we celebrated Jesus' ascension into heaven, that day that we remember that Jesus fills all things. So friends, we have prayed, but we must also act. We must call and email and march if necessary to say enough. And then we must continue to pray so that we might be always inspired by the Holy Spirit to do all we can to end gun violence locally and nationally. So today, beloved of all saints, people who have supported me the last two years, put up with me for the last two years, after our union with Christ and one another and with all the saints is strengthened this morning at this table, let us go forth in unity to proclaim God's love through our actions by standing between those who grieve in those who are unmoved by that grief.